Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, before we start this week's episode, I just want to remind you that G-Ducks is just around the corner, about two weeks away. This is a live streaming virtual conference for game developers, and it's going to be the best one of the year. I know it's a tall order. Last year when we did it, it was the only and first virtual conference this year. Everybody and their mom is having one. But what separates G-Ducks is very simple. We are aiming to telling the hero's journey of every presenter that is coming on stage to talk to you guys about not just their winning success, but also the hardships of how they got there, which is the highlight of G-Ducks. We're having a lot of cool people on, and we are announcing presenters this week. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, go to at G-Ducks-M-E, G-D-U-X-M-E, or go to our website, G-D-U-X-M-E, to connect with all our social channels. I am going pretty ham on this one. I hope to see you guys there. And I am concentrated on not making it just educational, but super entertaining. So whatever support feel free to visit the website and make sure that if you're interested to stay connected. All right. For this week's episode, we had the substance guys, uh, Jeremy and Francois, who are respectively leadership at the substance team at Adobe, talking about their tools and general thoughts about the future of material creation, as well as the future of the game industry and game tech. We are in the midst of a console generation switch. So I feel like it's a super important talk to kind of analyze what the landscape looks like in the next few years. What are the biggest changes, what to look for, and how to get amped up about the next generation of consoles. Please enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, hosted by Blue Champs, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and I want to welcome our special guest this episode from the Substance team. I'm going to go with your first name, Jeremy and Francois. How are you guys doing? Going to unmute you real quick. Here. All right. So uh, this is the part. I think uh, it's best to kind of let you guys introduce yourself. Let's start with you, Jeremy, uh, where you introduce yourself to our audience and listeners out there, who you are, where you're from, where you're hidden. And right after that, of course, Francois, uh, you can come in as well. Sounds good. Um, yeah. Hi, everyone. So uh, I'm Jeremy. Um, I'm currently principal product manager at Adobe on um, uh, the 3D side of things. Um, and before before Adobe, I was I was working at Algorithmic, the substance team for about 13 years. That was my, my actually my first job coming out of college. Um, I come from France, like most of the um, substance team. And I'm now in San Francisco in the um, Adobe office. All right. Your turn, Francois. Yeah, sure. So, Francois, uh, I'm also from France. Uh, I'm the marketing director for everything 3D at Adobe. I've been with Substance for years. Um, I started when we were only developing uh, Substance Designer for um, the game community. And we went a long way, and now we have a suite of products that you all know, and we're serving not only the game development community, but also 
All right. So we're we're getting a slight lag, but let me kind of switch over to this right now. And this is kind of like the last few months, right? Um, of course, the pandemic is no no mystery. Hopefully, it's no surprise to everybody. But what I like to kind of start it off with is kind of getting like a survey of the industry of how everyone is coping, either small or AAA or tool developers like you guys. How has this shifted your marketing plan, your development plans, if any, uh, in the past couple of three months, I guess? So, yeah, uh, I can talk about that. Um, it's been a change for sure, but uh, I think the world never played that many video games as today. <laughs> So all our customers are uh, all these in these uh, game studios are it's a bit complex to organize uh, now that everybody is working from home. But the number of players grew um, and uh, also extensions like uh, VR headsets have never uh, sold that well. And so People have time for video games. People have time to try new things also. Uh, very good times uh, for the video game industry, I would say. Even if it's complex to organize, it's a good moment for the industry. What's your view on it, Jeremy? How are things over there on the development side? I mean, yeah, I think for, for us, it's been, uh, it's been an adjustment as well. And I think we're... Um, I think the, the way we work is 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 somewhat similar to against you. We're, we're still, even though we're in a big company, we're a small part of the big company, and, and we have small teams and all working from home. So um, it's been it's been a challenge, but after the first couple of weeks, um, I think feels like the new normal, and um, and things are going on smoothly. But yeah, it's definitely a change. That's fantastic. So I've been a fan of you guys for a long time, ever since day one. It feels like um, ever since your announcement of Substance Tools, it kind of took the, the industry by storm. And I don't know if this is true. The game industry was your first uh, industry that Substance was revealed. And, and now it's broadening, as we were talking about before the interview. Um, but you were talking about us being a smart team of, uh, and, and being a part of a bigger team now. And the acquisition was one of the biggest news last year, for sure. Um, how, how has this kind of, I don't know how much you can talk about, it, how has it freed you guys to develop on ideas that before was kind of more on the back burner of things? And now you guys have free reign of really developing these ideas to the next level. Uh, yeah, I can, I can take this one. Um, it, yeah. It's it's been interesting. Uh, of course, there's been there's been uh, a little bit of adjustment adjustment period to integrate such such a larger team. Um, but now that we're kind of settled in, uh, we have we have so many resources that we could only dream of before. Uh, typically, Adobe has uh, not a lot of people know this, but Adobe has uh, a gigantic research department with hundreds of of uh, researchers and um and these people have been have been working on on research in the 3d field for years but they've already had a receptacle a product to actually to actually put these to use um and now we're here and they're all coming to us like can we can we put that in your tool can we put that in your tool and it's it's super exciting for us uh it's kind of overwhelming but there is there is um just so many opportunities it's it's a really fun time to be at to be at the substance, the substance team and of course, Francois, you've been part of the team for a long time. Now you're part of a bigger unit. Uh, it's probably more helpful to have more marketing guys around the office for sure. Uh, any changes in that front that you've been kind of gaining? Um, just overall development? Yeah. Um, sure. Um, two, two things there, I would say. Uh, first is that... Uh, we brought back gaming to Adobe. Uh, Adobe was not uh, uh, extremely focusing on gaming before the acquisition of Algorithmic. And this was part of the acquisition of Substance was to bring gaming back into, um, uh, into Adobe. And Adobe today is, is making efforts to better support the gaming community as a whole uh, with 3D tools obviously but but not only and this is 
this is the second topic is that by connecting to Adobe, we have more means, but we also have more colleagues and uh, we can connect better the 3D tools to all the 2D tools that Adobe uh, is publishing also. And this is opening new um, uh, opportunities for uh, better productivity, more creativity, smoother pipelines, between the 2D tools uh, and the 3D tools. So we're working on that also because it brings value to, to everyone in the end. Um, and I would say we're bringing game to Adobe. Uh, we brought game to Adobe, uh, but also Adobe broadened the scope of the impact of 3D. Um, and... As many of you may know, but the 3D field is uh, is led by the game industry, more or less. So you have game developers that are hired by automotive companies, for instance, or even furniture companies, because these know how of um, how to build nice 3D experiences is something that is useful for way more than only gaming for, for the film industry, architecture, and those different examples. Um, and so we're also better connected now with Adobe to serve this market. So it's a, for us, it's an extension of the gaming market. And for Adobe, the acquisition of algorithmic is an extension into gaming. I definitely agree with that. Um, being a game developer myself, I've been seeing the trends moving towards using real time uh, for changing workflows in all industries. And it's great to kind of hear that uh, Adobe is bringing back the gaming community within its tool set. It's an important community as always. Um, I mean, everybody it started in the industry with Photoshop. And uh, it's great to kind of hear you guys having more resources to kind of grow your tool set and everything. Um, and a little bit about this topic, actually, I would love to kind of hear you guys more insight about this. You know, the game industry or game tools specifically are, are being used in all these other industries like architectural or um, uh, animation movies. We were seeing the Mandalorian using digital sets of Unreal to kind of help uh, not bore the actors right <laughs> in front of a green screen. So we're seeing like these revolutionary ways to work now and uh, being integrated uh, so so importantly in these industries, um, uh, are you seeing like this influx of um, uh, other developers that have been coming into substance tools that are using uh, not used to it uh, or now like loving it and discovering it uh, along with all these other tools uh, that we we game developers have been using for years now? Oh, I think Francois, we can't hear you. Oh, yeah, we got cut off. So I'll oh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. And oh, there we go. <laughs> no, 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 I'm here. I just okay. I was just muted. Uh, do you want to go to to give some examples uh, to dive into that journey or? Sure. There is there is um, there's a ton of examples. I don't know if I can if I can talk about any of it because uh, a lot of things is confidential. But there's there, there are tons of we see tons of, of like from said industries that um that come to video game because that's where if you want the best visual quality with the best uh, feedback iterative loop, uh, you need to go with real time solutions and, and all those real time solutions come from the gaming industry. So uh, we see, we see tons of, of other industries picking up unreal um, unity game engines uh, and, and, and game tools um, to build uh, for example, VR experience, but not only also they use it, as you said, for VFX, uh, even in the design process of, of uh, consumer goods of like um, a lot of luxury brands, for example, uh, use uh, or car brands will use real time um, in the design phase while they're build a car, they build, uh, they conceive, they, they design a purse. Um, and so, the, the the game technology allow them to uh, reduce those iterative loop uh, extremely to, to an extremely fast turnaround. Um, and obviously, it, it looks better, but it also just save them money just because of the fact that instead of um, designing a purse, instead of actually actually having to source the leather and uh, build that purse in real life to see what it looks like, you can just design it in Unreal or any other package and see it pretty much as close as possible to reality. So you you. Pretty much every every kind of industry in the world uh, is looking at real time to to basically save money 
Oh, I can't hear you anymore. I'm sorry. It definitely, sorry. I muted myself. Oh. <laughs> poor Francois. Uh, it, it definitely helps, um, you know, with eliminating, well, not eliminating completely, but at least uh, limiting the post-production process in what these industries or are, are other industries are pretty much used to and, and they're kind of changing the workflow and stuff. Um, in my experience too, I want to kind of throw this back at you, Jeremy. Like, you know, our game development tools have been in, uh, evolving for the last 20, 30 years, you know, going through, I always track it to the Sony console generation. It's just easier to track it. PS2, the PS3 with normal mapping, and then moving on to lighting and rendering and, and ray tracing now. Uh, game developers have been kind of there every step of the way. But like now these industries are kind of going, they're kind of having to fast learn all these tricks, basically. Um, how, how have you been wrapping their head around this concept of just game development. I mean, how, how challenging has that been? It, it depends on the industry, I guess. And, on, and each, each industry is different and each player in the industry is different. Uh, we'll see some companies uh, picking up those, those new technologies super fast and, and creating stuff that is, that is really um, and crazy quality uh, in, in a short amount of time. And you'll have industries where we've been trying for years to, to bring, um, to kind of evangelize um, uh, real-time 3D and, and, and game tools, and it's, it's still hard. Um, it, it really depends. I think, I think it depends on, on how um, critical um, that, that transition to digital is for each industry. Um, and how far they were in the first place. Uh, we see some, like the design industry, there, there are people that are, that are just really very proficient with 3D already and that are picking up these tools just because, again, it's a, it's a, it's a pipeline issue and a cost issue that they need to address now. Uh, other, other, um, other uh, industries, like for example, um, architecture, are a little slower because they've been doing 3D for a long time, but kind of an old school 3D. And for most of the time, it still works fine for them because it's it's static, and then they may not need or they may not feel the need to have uh, real time um, real time 3D in 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 this industry. So it just it just depends. They're all kind of more or less slow to to adopt or fast to adopt. Um, but I think in the end, every industry and every single company um in the world will likely use 3d real-time 3d that is definitely i kind of throw this back over to uh francois i think you're about to start but uh i want to hear your thoughts about this yeah sure um my take is that um there have been 3D in other industries for a while but mostly for manufacturing processes in um, of course automotive or our architecture has been using 3d for dozens of years um, but it was for a completely different purpose and today they are discovering that um, visualization in 3d is something that is using different methods then if you really want to to achieve high quality and interactivity and be able to reuse easily your assets for a lot of different purposes. Um, you have to do that using the, the techniques coming from the game. Um, and also what, what it brings, the, 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 the real-time thing that is happening these days, uh, as you were saying, uh, with the new console generations and all that, is that... Um, in the past, interactivity was was at the cost of uh, visual quality, but it's it's not really the case anymore. Uh, for a lot of use cases, you cannot, unless you're a specialist, you cannot really make the difference between an offline rendering and real-time rendering, depending on, on the use cases, of course, but for, for a lot of use cases, the difference is not that big anymore. The gap is not that big anymore. So it means that um, previously, as a uh, creative professional, you had to work in a kind of abstraction, and you were uh, you were working all day long on something that was an abstraction of um, the final product, the final media, the final sequence, or. Um, it, it's not the case anymore. 
Now, with real time, you can iterate directly on the final product and it is changing everything. And this is also why Adobe is embracing 3D today because um, if you look at the other tools uh, at Adobe, uh, they are all real-time tools, I would say. When you're working on Photoshop, you're not working on on an abstraction of the final image, you're working on the final image. And if you change a pixel, you change a pixel in the final image. In 3D, until recently, you were working on something that was an abstraction, lower quality, simplified geometry, uh, simplified lightings, simplified materials, and then you had to render. And this abstract uh, phase they, they meant that people who were not specialists were unable to to predict what the final uh, result would look like. It's still completely the case for uh, very advanced 3D like VFX and uh, you were talking about Mandalorian or, of course, when you're at this level of extreme quality, um, you still have a difference between the final product and the different steps before. But for more everyday purposes 3d i would say uh, now you can um you can go real time and you can iterate in real time and this is we see this happening in many industries in the game industry obviously but also in the other industries and it's changing everything well speaking of changing everything i kind of want to dive a little deeper on that um of course increasing workflows increasing speed um can mean two things right? it means that we can get quality faster but it can also mean that a uh, producer want more things <laughs> at once right and so uh, i, I kind of want to talk about that like um uh what type of uh workflow changes that this is creating for all industries right now do you think um the the quality of product of course with large teams are going to get better but uh, that being even truer with the smaller teams even because now tools are so accessible and can you're using essentially the same tools at bigger studios to produce the same level of art it just depends on your time uh, i want to hear you guys thoughts of how the last two years especially just uh, influx of great tools like substance uh and and, and other tools uh how has the changes uh been for for from your perspective so I would start rapidly with saying that um, at Substance, we don't differentiate our tools depending on the level of uh, proficiency or on the cost of the tool. <laughs> um, it's, it's, very important, uh, uh, it's a very important choice we, we made. And students today get Substance for free. And it's exactly the same product as what AAA Studio would use. Um, so there is absolutely no differentiation in the product. So the accessibility of the tools is key um, to, to spread them, but also to make sure that the, um, the industry has enough um, uh, enough people to hire and uh, and that uh, that the know-how can fluidly go from the bigger studios to smaller studios from students to to to, to studios etc etc um, I think this is an important choice we made on the substance side and this is something that is um, that is part of our uh, success probably um, today. And yeah, the result is that small studios have exactly the same tools as big studios. So yeah, creativity wins in the end. Yeah, that's pretty good news for everyone for sure. Uh, uh, So I want to ask you, Jeremy, like um, with all these tools being better and um, we're we're talking about, you know, the oncoming new consoles uh, that are basically going to up up our quality and output uh in at the end of the year right so my question is that um with with all these tools coming out and 
especially every console generation, let me kind of go back a bit. Every console generation is defined by the lighting and rendering pipeline and, and, and texturing, right? Um, from the normal map to ray tracing now. So uh, what is the next leap that we're going to be seeing with the next console generation? Is it going to be more quality stuff or are, are there different techniques that you feel and I, I i see substance being at the forefront of, of defining what what our quality and, and next leap is um what are your thoughts on that yeah i think i think there, there are some some just obvious things like we'll have higher resolution uh textures obviously and and higher poly counts and and more complex complex meshes um but but i think we'll 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 Probably truly differentiate this this new um, this new uh, generation. And I think we 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 saw it with the, the very few images that we've seen of, of next gen stuff is um, first the shading. Uh, I think the last generation we had the the PBR shader, the, the advent of, of, of PBR shading, and that uh, kind of caused a big leap in in the realism of of materials in general and games. Um, but it's still it's in most games today in the current generation it's still fairly limited you basically have a, you have a color a roughness a metallic and uh, a normal map and that's pretty much all you have in your in your shader unless there's some specific cases um i think the next generation we're going to see materials um get much more complex with uh much more complex material um reaction like uh sheen and clear coat and and um thin film there's all sorts of of um of physical properties to materials in real life that the simplified PBR model we use in the current generation does not account for. And um, I think this will really um, bridge the gap between the rendering you see today and and what could be seen as um, like a real life uh, object or photo. Um, that's one thing, and especially applied to characters and um, that kind of object. I think we're going to start to see char- characters that have a quality in at least in cinematics, maybe not in gameplay, but in cinematic, in real time cinematics, they will have the same quality as what you would find in in VFX today. Um, the second part is also also I think linked to characters is uh, I think we're at a point where we finally have the power and um, the knowledge and the algorithm to do um, proper hair, fur, and clothes simulation in, in a very realistic way, which was kind of, um, we had some of that uh, this generation, but it was very um, kind of approximations and tricks and kind of cheating. Uh, I think we're going to get, we, and we already see that with some, there's some papers from um, in Unreal and in Frostbite, there's already some some uh, interesting um, interesting work on that. I think we'll see in the next generation characters that are really lifelike. I think that will be the big, the big leap. Welcome, hooray from character teams all around the world. Uh, <laughs> we've had like you know uh, character artists from the Sony Monica team, and the one frustrating thing that always comes up is the hair and and cloth. Well, hair especially because they're still using yeah. alpha cards, and that's a PS2 technique, and that has not changed <laughs> for two generations. So uh, it, it's yeah. definitely one of those things. Yeah, I think I feel environment has ha- have been benefiting from these console generation characters. You know. Uh, at least in toolset that they've gotten more to play with for sure uh but they've always been stuck in that just carding hair is like making grass on people <laughs> it's frustrating for sure yes uh so uh well i mean what, what are the biggest features that you guys are working on i i know substance 2020 has been making a lot of waves uh the last few months uh any of that you guys want to talk about uh i can talk a little bit about about what what's what just came out and what's coming up. Um, so uh, we have a new version of Substance Painter coming out tomorrow, actually, and um, and that will bring some of some some really cool features um, that are not necessarily uh, new, shiny, uh, kind of exciting features, but are more features to again um, just improve your workflow and make your work uh, a little, a little uh, more enjoyable every day. Um, and so that goes through, uh, we revamped the, um, export process. A lot of people are complaining about the exporting in substance painter. You now have much more control and much more feedback about how you export textures, um, and what, what texture you export, what format, what resolution and, and, and those kind of things. Um, we also, since last year, we introduced automatic UVs, uh, in substance painter and it was a huge milestone uh for us because that's always been kind of our one of our one i guess we have multiple one of our holy grail is to 
get rid of the UV process because it's really just, I don't know a lot of people who like making UVs, uh, let's say in that way. And yeah. um, so we introduced that, that automatic UV system, but um, once you add your automatic UVs, um, exporting that mesh back from Substance Painter was a little bit painful and we didn't have like really good options for this. Um, so we improved that as well. And now you can bring in a mesh, create your automatic UVs, and you can export it back as an FBX. Uh, we'll keep your triangulation, your quads, your end guns, if you have any. Uh, we'll keep the structure of the scene, um, uh, the bones in there and everything. So everything is kept so that that mesh can just flow through the pipeline uh, through Substance Painter. And we added a few more options to the automatic UV. So the goal is really to make it production-proof. Um, right now, we think it works good it can work great so we're still working on it um but this is this is getting some nice improvements and i think the other thing we were excited about was the bakers um because as you know in substance painter and pretty much any workflow today um baking maps for your assets is a crucial part of the workflow because a lot of automation that can that can um that can go on during the workflow and a lot of, of effects you'll build uh, are based on curvature and limit occlusion and the way you can create edge wear automatically and all that kind of stuff and people rely on that very heavily um and so getting the quality of the bakes as as good as possible is always one of our big goals. and so with this new version we have a new curvature baker that is um miles better than the previous one uh and 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 faster as well uh so we're super excited about this should help a lot with the creation of smart materials and and, um, wear and tear and stuff like that um and i think the other thing that 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 i'm personally very excited about because i played a lot with it and i can't wait for people to get their hands on it is um our thing we presented um a couple weeks ago during our keynote is a um ai image to material uh, in, in Substance Alchemist. And so a lot of people have been using bitmap to material for a long time. We This came out, I think, like seven or eight years ago now. Um, but bitmap to material was just our simple tool. It was Crazy Bun before that, uh, made by, by another guy. Uh, a tool you just imported a photo and generates normal map and roughness and whatnot um, from, from your photo. And and it worked. It works okay um, for for how simple it is to use. Um, but there's a lot of cases that are tricky and it doesn't work because in the end, it's, it's very simple math um, uh, applied on the image. And so this new AI-based system, uh, instead of being simple math based on the pixels of the image you fit it, you fit to it, um, it, it uses AI to look at this image and uh, try to figure out what is actually pictures in that image. And from that, it will figure out where the shadows are, where the highlights is, um, and, and remove the shadows and make sure that um, uh, a bump should be a bump and a hole should be a hole um, based on, on actual learning. So we, what we did is we, um, we that, algorithm, that algorithm, we trained it by feeding it tons and tons of photogrammetry data so that it can recognize if you take a picture of a rock, it recognizes it's a rock and it should be kind of a bump. Or if you take a picture of, um, I don't know, like a road with cracks, it will recognize that these are cracks and this should be holes. And so um, that works That works, uh, That works. works so much better than Bitmap to Material and so much better than any other um, similar application out there. Uh, that really feels like magic and that should come out in the next months or two um and we really can't wait for to, for people to play with it it's really fun all right guys let's take a short break and have a word from our sponsors this episode sponsored and brought to you by core core is a new free game creation platform that lets you create share and play games using the power of unreal engine with core no coding or art skills are required you can get started making games right away using thousands of free high quality music sound and art assets but if you like to get nerdy with core still lets you create your own game logic in lua coding script and build your own levels and art with their easy to use tools the best part is you don't need to worry about some of the hassle that normally goes into making games core takes care of the difficult stuff such as multiplayer networking you can build games from scratch or remix and reimagine content shared by other creators. And you're ready to publish. Your game will go live instantly on the core platform with the click of a button. You can go into the link description of this podcast and support it by clicking on the link and check out Core Games. Or go directly right now, go to coregames.com and... Brace yourself for awesomeness. I am super impressed by this platform. Not only am I endorsing it right now, we are running a game jam with them for Game School Online. 
And you guys should definitely go check that out if you want to win some awesome prizes. I'm talking about some RTX 2070 NVIDIA cards for first place winners. This is something that you can team up with a partner and both win some RTX cards. When we do have placements for first, second, and third, where second and third, you get some awesome Amazon gift cards. So all you need to do is go over to beta.gameschoolonline.com and click on the core 101 course yes i have made a course for you guys so that you don't have to learn core on your own so with this lovely voice i will guide you through four weeks of content we're talking about 72 video tutorials to help you learn core and participate in the retro game jam that we have going on right now super exciting super fun i will be there with you with your partner and we have our discord server up so you won't feel alone and believe me as long as you finish there's a good chance you will win one of the prizes the cool thing is as i've mentioned before no coding is necessary no art creation outside of core is possible right everything's going to be done within core so the playing field is set equally and all of it is just opportunity and hard work so what else you're going to do for the next four weeks this is all going to be happening all throughout may we're quarantined we might as well use that time efficiently and upgrade your graphics card and have fun with the community again all the links are in the description of this podcast episode for both what core is as well as where to sign up for the game jam so go over there and check that out support the podcast support yourself help me help me help you now back to the episode yeah definitely i i feel like um I'm, a lot of software companies like yourselves uh at least on the trello board one of the biggest thing <clears throat> is to make automation as fun as possible and at the utmost quality and which also frees up a lot of the artist's time to kind of dive into the creativity part of it right um you were yeah, making the goal is to yeah yeah i think the goal is to rather than like the automation doesn't replace the artist it just it just helps him get better at what he does and just helps him kind of um not spend too much time on stuff that is not that important in the end yeah, definitely. I mean, UVs, I'm the same boat as you. I don't know how many people actually enjoy the UVing process. I met a few, but I feel a lot of them are um, gone through so much of a torture, and like an abusive victim. <laughs> they just don't know any other way. They just find it meditative. I mean, that's the reason they say it. it's like, guys, this process is going to be gone someday. They just haven't figured it out. So I'm glad to kind of hear that Substance Suite is kind of tackling that problem because I'd rather be doing something else than UVing for sure. Um, but to talk more about the automation part of it, right? Um, it, it seems like more and more tools are moving towards this to kind of free up the, the developer or artist's time. Uh, what kind of benefits uh, besides the obvious, right? Um, do you feel like this is going to be at the end product going to give everybody to the, you basically to the, to the user at the end, the clients? I think both, uh, I think both quality and can and quantity really, uh, uh, or either or both. It, it really depends on the on the goal of the of the developer and the type of game you're building. Uh, but in the end, whatever you whatever time you save, you can spend creating more content or creating creating better content. Um, and and um, and I think and I think it shows already uh, when you compare the games that are built this generation compared to the games that were built a generation before uh, the amount of content you have in a game is, is just, is just phenomenal. And the teams are not, are not that, that bigger, like the, the studios, uh, even the big studios, um, they don't, they don't expand their team indefinitely. They cannot, there's no, it's just not enough artists out there mm-hmm. and um, you can't shred that budget so much. So the same amount of artists, um, they're creating worlds and games that are um, so much bigger and so much higher quality. I think we'll, we'll see, we'll keep, we'll keep seeing that, that trends uh, in the next, next generation. I don't know how big next GTA is going to be, but it's probably going to be like a full uh, continent or something. <laughs> oh, what are the, uh, 
and I guess this can go to both of you guys, uh, one of each. Um, I think in the past year or something, um, VR has kind of been on the rise, right? I think before it was more like people were super excited, but then you know, realistically, people kind of saw, saw like a slow adoption. But I think in the past year, especially, we're, we're hearing more and more developers uh just profiting from their gains finally right they're not relying on um uh publishers for 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 the income they're actually getting money back from from their from their work right um which is like a regular game developer they're actually a business now uh one of the big acquisition after you guys were you know the the medium tool um i don't know how much you guys can talk about that but uh at that point vr uh, has always been my favorite frontier for developers um i'm using the vr mode and on rail right now and not particularly for any reasons but just to look at my assets inside the world in vr and just notice things that i didn't notice before uh i don't know how much you guys can talk about at least on that side uh, where's your stance on vr uh, using it within substance at least painter um and, and, and all that so um there are two different phases where immersivity brings uh, makes a whole difference. There is consumption and there is authoring. Um, the consumption part has been a roller coaster, like uh, all the new, uh, the, the, all the innovations. I would say so. The first generation, uh, the the. the um, Headsets were not completely ready. The visual quality was low. Uh, it was very complex to set up. Um, you had some motion sickness. And um, so we worked with the first generations of Oculus and Vive headsets. And it, it was a nightmare, <laughs> really. Uh, there were so many constraints that it was, it was the beginning of an innovation. So it was deceptive. And then, like all the innovations, um, after a while, the headsets get better. The visual quality is now really great. Interaction is super fluid. The setup is super simple. Um, the price of the headsets have been falling down, um, et cetera, et cetera. So now, it's, I would say it's major for, for games. Um, in terms of experience, it's great for the consumption phase. And the, the best proof is that these days, all headsets are out of stock. <laughs> so I think there, there cannot be any better proof that this is really enjoyable today. And since consumption is, is great, um, is a good experience, uh, studios go more and more in in this direction, and uh, the quality of the games also tend to improve a lot. And this is becoming just another way of consuming games. And it's great, and it's growing, and it will continue to grow. There is no reason why. It's more intense as an experience because it's you can spend as much time in immersivity as you would spend uh, just in front of your TV but, uh, or computer. But this is something that it's a great experience. And then the second part is that uh, immersivity in, in the authoring phase is also very interesting, especially for the authors, for the artists. Um, as you were saying, the first time you encounter your creator in real life, not in real life, but in, in immersivity, it's, it's a shock. When you're, I don't know if you're painting a character or a monster, a dragon, uh, an asset, whatever it is, and you can walk around it and you can see... Um, the reflection of the light just by moving your head or you can just feel the size of the character uh, by walking around it. It's, it's, it's a completely different experience for, for authoring game assets, for sure, but also for authoring assets that will be in real life. As you can imagine, this is completely uh, changing everything for architects to be able to 
um, dive into the final um, the final building or for product designers, for car designers, for all, all these people, they have the same need, which is encounter an object that is more or less looking like what they are working on. And so back to the game industry, um, we, uh, we think that immersivity will be more and more used during the authoring phase. Uh, as you probably saw, we uh, we already showed a prototype of Substance Painter uh, in VR. It's a great experience. Uh, now it's, it's it's not a product. This is something that is only uh, in prototype phase internally. But being able to to work on the surface of your object, because now it's not only textures, but it's textures and a little bit of sculpting that you can do in, in Substance Painter. Being able to do that in immersivity, it's more intense, but it's uh, there's a relation between you and your creation that is completely unique. And this is also what we loved with Medium, um, is that it's so natural to sculpt in Medium. The 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 it can be impressive to see uh, these people wearing headsets, and because it's 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 immersive, it's intense. But once you try, it's so natural that if you're a good sculptor in in real life, you can immediately create nice using medium. And this this is really an astonishing experience for those who never tried. I would say even if you're not a good sculptor, you can actually create nice stuff in Medium because yeah, I'm a yeah. terrible artist. <laughs> and uh, I can create some pretty decent stuff in there. So it's, it's really fun to play with. Yeah. So I come from the uh, environment background, right? And uh, it's only until recently. You know, I've always been, since day one, I think most gamers love VR, right? They get it. It's just the potential is there and everything. It's just not there yet uh, until recently, right? With uh, products being better, you don't have to have 10 cameras set up in your room. Your wife is not yelling at you for taking up so much room. So it's just a headset now with the new Oculus. So it's great. So it's heading to the right direction. But it definitely as an artist, now that I'm using VR to kind of look, just look at my product or have that relation that we were talking about, you know, I'm not just creating a prop and just, you know, for, for games, it's just like prop in the corner, just, you know, walk by. But now I'm looking at it as if I'm like an industrial designer, you know, like how does this actually function? Because I'm like right next to it and I'm I'm reaching my hand. I was like, how would I actually turn this thing? And it's just unlocking a part of the creativity, I think another layer as an artist to to kind of interface and, and think of it as a real product like these other industries are, are using it for so um i kind of want to throw this back to you jeremy like what what part of that are you pretty excited about to kind of see i know you guys are still in testing phase and and everything but i, I want to hear your thoughts from the developer side of what potential uh this can unlock for you for for you guys definitely that there's as, as francois said there's there's a lot of lot of potential uh and and Painter and I and medium, I think, are just um, touching on that potential. But there's there's so much more we can we can do with it. Um, and again, I, I can talk specifics, uh, and we'll have to wait a little longer to uh, talk more about in detail about what we're doing. But um, but yeah, I, I think just the, the the presence of of being next to, next to your asset um, can. Um, can help not only uh, with painting and sculpting, but pretty much any any kind of medium, any part of the, any part of the of the pipeline. Really, the same like you're you're visualizing your assets in Unreal uh, in the end, just to have a sense of the scale and the, and the and the, the way you look in the world. I think every every step of that every step of that pipeline could be and translated to VR, and that's something that we can that we can finally do because yeah, again, as Francois said, the, the hardware is good enough now that we can. Um, like a couple of years ago, uh, you would. Put in a headset, and after 20 minutes, your eyes would start uh, tearing up, and it was it was really hard to actually work in in VR. Um, but but with the, the latest headsets, um, at at you can spend like I can spend like a couple of hours in medium uh, playing with uh, playing with a sculpt, and not really see the time go by, and and I don't feel tired afterwards. So once you're in it, it it's really um, you kind of get lost in your art. So I guess that's one of the risks associated to it is that you may end up 
spending more time on your assets because you don't realize that you're in a different world when you're building, when you're working on it and you kind of, uh, the outside world is kind of, uh, you forget about it. Um, but it's, it's, a it's a fun place to be in when you're, when you're in that kind of artistic mode and just, just think about your asset and, and, and nothing else. So, uh, going back to like how these different industries are kind of, um, being introduced to, to our world, right? Uh, what, what unique cases have you guys seen that, um, was very surprising? I mean, um, only some are, are, are familiar with architectural product design. Uh, it's the same way they're being introduced to us. We're, we're slowly being introduced to their field of how they're using 3d particularly, right? The specifics. Um, any of those case studies that you guys can share where it was like, Oh, you know, I never really thought of it this way that helped with your product development, marketing, uh, into substance tools and stuff like that. What can we share Francois? Do you know, you know, if you have any use case, yeah, we can yeah, so, yeah, share. yeah, we can share. Um, the furniture industry, for instance, has moved considerably to uh, virtual photography and to replacing the photo shoots by uh, synthetic imagery. Um, so IKEA has been leading there, and the, the, the catalog you have is mostly CG today. It's very advanced CG, but it's... It's using the same techniques as the techniques from the game industry. And uh, it's astonishing to see the flexibility and the productivity brought. Because as you can imagine, shooting scenes of interior um, and furniture is super complex, super expensive. You have to to transport all the furniture, to have to build, you have to build custom interiors and to decorate everything. And it takes a lot of time and you shoot one picture and then you destroy everything. And if you want to make a single change because you want to sell the, the same, same piece of furniture, but to a different country where you don't have, you, you, you need a different style, different environment, or, or you just, want to ship it in a different color the next year, you have to redo everything. So uh, the, this whole industry embraced 3D at different levels of quality, obviously. You can see on some e-commerce websites, very silly, simple 3D, I would say. <laughs> um, but you can see also big companies that have completely uh, revisited the way they are producing all their imagery and they replaced completely photo shoots by um, synthetic photography, by virtual photography. And what we brought on the substance side is the know-how around materials because in the end, Whatever the rendering engine you will use, um, the main difference in, in the quality uh, of the final image will, will be thanks to the materials you will use. If it's too perfect, it will not look realistic. Um, and we all know that this is something that is super well mastered by developers, by artists, and this is spreading like wildfire in the, those industries. So everything around e-commerce, I would say not only furniture, but e-commerce is embracing 3D, real-time 3D, but also just uh, 3D imagery, like super fast. Fantastic. And and also the other, other way around, um, we worked a lot with architects uh, the previous years. Um, we, we are working with all the major uh, architecture studios. Um, you can go on our website and you'll see uh, all the big logos and um, famous logos. But um, we learned a lot working with these people because they know exactly how the materials look like in real life. And they, they could teach us 
to differentiate the different types of concretes and to differentiate the different methods of construction and how things are really made and why this brick is looking differently in Japan than it's looking um, in Western Europe because it's not the same uh, this, the, the same components in the earth. And in the end, it has to look different. And if you go into every single details like that with those who really know, because they've been doing that for dozens of years, they have material specialists internally, they have material libraries, huge material libraries, um, and this know-how around real-life materials is something that we're bringing back to the game industry. So... Um, if you go to Sapson Source, for instance, and you look for architecture materials, these are materials that we made with the best architecture firms and the best architecture experts. And um, it brings a level of realism that comes with this expertise. It doesn't mean that everything has to look realistic. We just dropped a, a stylized a, a set of materials on Substance Source and it's super popular and it's working well and game people are were super excited about it. But in some cases, you need also to, 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 to stick to reality or at least to understand how re reality is to take an artistic distance to this reality. So yeah, yeah, we're also doing it the other way around and bringing in some expertise from, from architecture back into gaming. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, I think, one of the most exciting thing about the time that we're in right now, um, the collaboration of different industries. And uh, I, I love the fact that developers maybe in the near future uh i know they're already starting that artists from different industries can jump between different industries which gives uh, like you know a huge plus and the amount of jobs that you can apply for with the same skill set so i love this merging of all the industries uh using the same tool sets and same uh, workflows um and i kind of want to ask jeremy about this um, for the developer side you know, PBR is something the visual effects taught us and we're still perfecting it. Um, uh, you know, you're talking about these architectural firms that have been using real life materials and are teaching us, you know, how exactly, you know, how it should react, how it's made up and how it is different from one uh, country to the next. Right. Which is super important because we are getting into the nitty gritty of things uh, to make things really good. Uh, I feel like the game industry before was kind of like the, in its infancy, right? Just make it look good. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like the art director just make it look good uh but now we're actually having the time and creativity to kind of put back into development and uh so more asking to jeremy now like wh what type of workflows are you seeing that now that not only am i an environment artist and i can build this building but i can build it as if i am an architect, right? Uh, what workflows do you see some of that coming back that you 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 feel like you guys uh, for the next two years you need to kind of listen up if you want to stay on top of your game because this is happening right now. Oh, let me switch back to Jeremy. <laughs> Oops, sorry, I muted myself. Um, yeah, I think I think it, it circles back to what I was saying about the next generation of consoles uh, and the fact that materials are going to be much more complex. Um, there's a lot of lot of material properties that um, that we didn't really that I guess game developers didn't really um, care about until now, just because it was um, it was maybe too costly and uh, too costly in terms of performance, in terms of time spent uh, um, setting the, setting this up. Um, that we will see appearing just again to to get closer and closer to reality and some of the stuff that um, that is being used a lot, for example, in, in product design, uh, which is uh, very accurate, um, um, transparent, translucency, and um, and um, 
such for scattering and um, refraction and um, clear coat, for example, which is like the layer, um, the layer you have, the, the clear layer, um, glossy layer you have on top of the surface, for example, um, carbon fiber or things like this. That we see a little bit like in car in, in, in racing games today, but but very little. Um, there's actually a lot of material in real life that that uses these kind of properties and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be able now with, with the power we have and the, the performance we have to actually um, apply those to much to, to many more materials and um, again if, if you're going for for a realistic look um, I guess materials are going to get are going to just get more complex um, and our goal is our, our goal is to is to um, to make that transition not as painful as it could be um, and to and to anticipate that those materials are going to get more complex and those new channels are going to come up and, and there's way, we need ways to, to visualize it and to create them easily. And um, that's what we're currently working on in our tools and, and we'll, be, um, we'll, we'll make sure to follow very quickly the evolution of the industry to make sure that um, when there's needs to create those much, much more complex materials come up, that the, the subs, on the substance side, the Adobe side, we're ready to give you tools that allow you to express those materials without um, pulling your hair out. Well, let's just make it yeah. easier for the lazy creatives out there for sure. <laughs> I'm all for that. Uh, this is a fantastic time, actually. We're, we're, we hit the hour mark. I want to thank you guys for surviving an hour of the podcast. Uh, and thank, thank you, you for you guys' time. And as always, wish you guys are in your families and everyone super safe uh, during these crazy times. Uh, this is also the time for me to kind of shut up and hand over the mic to you guys uh, to promote, give attention to, to let the good people out there know how to uh, level up their game out there uh, with substance. So I'm going to switch over to your dual cam so you can both <laughs> go ahead and whoever wants to take it first. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy, you can do that. All right. Let's I guess, repeat what um, we are. What is what is coming? Uh, the tools and yeah. Content uh, and I, I, yeah. I think I think with the the way, where we are at right now with substance. Um, I, I think, and I'm not part of the marketing team, so I can say that too. Uh, uh, but I think we're in a really good place for for artists. If if you if you have the substance suite, you pretty much have everything you need. Um, uh, and and with, with substance painter and um, and uh, the new features for for generating the UVs automatically and and um, and all the small materials and everything that are available. Um, even, even a, I would say a, a, a single person creating game on the side, even if he's not an artist, um, it, it's very easy to create good looking assets, um, by just dropping and dropping a mesh, uh, applying smart materials, uh, baking is pretty much automatic, uh, and you can get some, some really good looking assets this way for environments, uh, with Alchemist, you can, same thing, you can drag and drop a, a photo, or um, or uh, any existing material that you may have that you that you got on substance source and start um, layering them to create something unique and you can get some really good results as well. Um, so I think we're 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 at a point where um, I wouldn't say it's easy to make games because it is not, but uh, making art for game is is easier than ever. And um, I'm very excited about this because we see so many games coming out. Uh, uh, that that are using substance, and we're always so excited every time. Uh, even though it's been a lot of games using substance, we're always super excited to see um, every new game coming up. Even if it's a AAA or a, a small indie game, uh, coming up with with new ways to 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 use the tools and to to create some some new art style that we've never seen before. Uh, there's there's always something exciting. That's what's called the the game industry thing. Yeah, uh, I couldn't say more. Uh, the 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 for sure the AAA games, very advanced games, are leading the pack in terms of quality and quantity most of the time. But the long tail of smaller games that are very creative um, bring a lot, and our tools are there to help all these creators. Big companies, big studios, but also small, super creative uh, indie teams. And yeah, Substance is here for everyone. 
Well, I want to thank you from uh, behalf of the game developers out there for making great tools and making this transition uh, a lot more fun. I mean, more than ever, people are at home dreaming about being outside. So uh, <laughs> uh, this year, if anything, should be fruitful for everybody on the tools and game side, like we mentioned before. I want to thank you guys for coming on. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much, man. I learned so much. I'm so Thank excited. you for having us. And it's always fun to have uh, tool developers on. So that's it. See you guys next week. Thank, Thank you. you. Stay safe. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody